It is another Saturday morning in CCO Land time for another wine chat with our friend Jack Farrell from Haskell's. Good morning, Jack. Good morning, Denny. How are things? Uh, things are great, and we're getting uh, the crowds already, uh, even this uh, this early in the morning. Expected the skies uh, to clear out later this afternoon, so it should be a nice nice holiday weekend for the next uh, three days. So, the uh, weatherman's been saying that since Monday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a glorious weekend. It's Saturday. Where, where's the glory? <laughs> I know. Somebody uh, sent a text in earlier, Jack, knowing you were going to be on, saying, uh, please ask Jack if that Sonoma Wine Tour is uh, still on for next May. And I said, yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Bo's absolutely. Uh, hard at work on that. New plenty of space available. It's conducted by Ted and uh, Bo Farrell, both of which are extraordinarily knowledgeable about California wine, and they know a lot about Sonoma. And Sonoma is sort of uh, Napa Valley 20 years ago, 15 years ago. It isn't quite as busy or hectic as the Napa Valley. You know, the Napa Valley is the number one destination in California, tourist destination. And I don't know how many millions of people they get, 20 million people a year, something like that, visit the Napa Valley. It's just the numbers are staggering. And on the weekends, you can't get across Highway 29. You have to wait and wait and wait because <laughs> it's so hectic. You don't get any of that in Sonoma. And you get all the other good stuff that comes with wine country. Fabulous vineyards, absolutely extraordinary food, beautiful scenery, you know, that Russian River uh, and on, along down by the Pacific Ocean. It, it is just a, a wonderful, wonderful place to visit. And as I said, I, I compare it to Napa 20-some years ago, and I hope it doesn't get super populated like that, and I don't think it will because it's just a little more laid back, and Napa is always going to be the heart and soul of California wine country. And But Sonoma, uh, if you've not gone, I would encourage you to go because it's a fabulous trip that the WCCO people and the two feral boys put together. And I don't want to sound any more braggadocious about uh, the fact that my two sons handle it, but they do a very, very well, good they job. They do. They're lots of fun. And I, I've said this before, Jack. You, If you're going to join, it's only a four-day trip, so it's a quick one. It's a good one. It's a fun one. You don't have to know anything about wine. No. Just enjoy All it. All you have to do is... Uh, bring your knife and fork. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we'll supply the glasses for I used sure. to have a friend that said that she always packed light when she went to France. She'd bring her knife and fork. <laughs> I like that. We'll, we'll tell you more today about I thought I would talk a little bit about uh, a grape type that probably most people never heard of, don't know anything about it, but yet you've surely had it, and that's Tempranillo. Tempranillo grape is the principal grape type of Spain. And in Spain, over half, now just imagine that, you know, they have probably a million acres under cultivation in Spain. And over half of that million acres of vineyards is Tempranillo. So if you've ever had any Spanish wine, chances are red wine we're talking about here, uh, you've had Tempranillo. And it's a, a, a very gracious grape type. It's the principal grape type of Rioja. And while Riojas do sometimes have a little Grenache in them mixed with the Tempranillo, the Tempranillo itself is the star. And if you've had any wine from Valdepinas, it's Tempranillo. And those areas of Spain are absolutely 
marvelous. And the good news about Tempranillo is it's very, very inexpensive. It goes so well with any kind of barbecue, in my opinion. Uh, you know, the, the best uh, lamb chops I think I ever had in my life was at a great estate, huge hacienda in southern Spain, where they cooked the skinny, what we'd call today lollipop lamb chops. They're, they were small and thin, and they were cooked over vine cuttings in this enormous fireplace. And I'll tell you, I never forgot those wonderful, wonderful little lamb chops. And best of all, the wine that went with them was uh, Tempranillo. Uh, and uh, areas like Ribeiro de Duro and, as I said, Valdepinas and Rioja are all wonderful examples of Tempranillo. Now, you know, like any grape type, and I'm sure anybody listening to me whose favorite is Chardonnay, you get one Chardonnay you like and one you don't like so much. The variety is endless, especially when you figure uh, that, that Chardonnay is planted all over the world. So an Australian Chardonnay isn't going to taste anything like a Burgundy, and a Burgundy Chardonnay isn't going to taste anything like a Chardonnay you get from the uh, uh, midi, the vast midi area of France. Those Chardonnays are totally different. In fact, you know, you can take, go to California, for example, go to one vineyard and cross the road to the other vineyard. Their Chardonnays are two different styles. Well, with Tempranillo, you can magnify that by 10. Uh, the, as I said, one of the good news about Tempranillo is it's a very, very inexpensive grape type. You, if you buy a bottle of Tempranillo from Spain, uh, chances are you shouldn't expect to pay more than 10 or $11 a bottle for it. And, and the Spanish have always been very, very good about producing inexpensive wines that are very satisfying. I remember I belonged to a tasting group many, many years ago, and every time we'd have a big tasting, at the end of the tasting, uh, everyone would be uh, just ready for a new challenge or something like that. And I would always bring out a secret wine, and eight times out of ten, it was a Rioja, and we've been tasting clarets, and everyone pronounced it. Why did you save the best for last? Because it was a Rioja made from Tempranillo. So you, they have aging qualities when they're produced in places like Rioja, but in Valdepinas, for example, the Tempranillos are light, easy, accessible. Uh, as I said, you don't have to have lollipop lamb chops. Uh, you can have a burger on the grill, and Tempranillo is going to go very, very well with it. Um, traditionalists kind of favor a delicate flavor uh, and even a complex Tempranillo. But even some of the straightforward ones, uh, like from Rioja Alto, are just absolutely wonderful. And, you know, try it with a veal chop or a land chop. You can find a Tempranillo that's delicate, uh, and uh, just as dainty as can be, or by the same token, you can find one that's absolutely opulent uh, with layers and layers of unctuous flavor that just delight and delicacy and depth. You know, as I said, uh, these delicate light tempranillos are, are wonderful, and then you can have one that's so complex and deep that it will just dazzle you. And, and some of the ones that come from the mountainous areas of Spain uh, have a mountain freshness that's just very, very appealing. And uh, as I said, uh, Tempranillo is such a unique grape type. No matter where it's grown, it, it reflects different 
characteristics from the soil, and of course it picks up other characteristics from the winemaker. And the winemakers are generally very proud of the wines they make. A lot of Tempranillo is grown in Portugal. And as I said, Iberia could be considered, like Italy, one vast vineyard. There's vineyards in every single part of Iberia, just like there is in every single part of Italy. And uh, the, the most complex of the Tempranillos come from the Rioja area. And the Rioja area we've talked about in the past is a little uh, north and west of Barcelona. And that's a beautiful, beautiful part of the world. I uh, talk about wonderful vineyards to visit. Uh, up and down uh, the Rioja, the river there, the vineyards stand out, and they're great haciendas. And uh, some of the most wonderful wine, my, I had a friend who bought a vineyard. He was about 50 years old, I guess, and didn't know much about wines. And we were stomping around in Rioja where he bought the vineyard. And we found these old casks in the basement. One of them was a huge cask of 1942, which happened to be my birth year. And we tasted it and couldn't believe it was so good because it was still in a barrel. And what had happened is that Rioja had dropped off a, a tartaric precipitate, and it caked the inside. The inside of that was all white from this tartar. It was almost like a ceramic lined barrel, and that kept the freshness in that wonderful Rio, again, it was all Tempranillo, and he was willing to sell me a half a dozen cases, so I was able to drink my birth year wine for many, many years uh, because I had 10 cases of this Rioja from my birth year. And, you know, uh, Tempranillos, as I said, are totally different when they come from Portugal, although those are very interesting uh, grapes and, and wines as well, particularly... Red Table Wine is enjoying a real renaissance from Portugal. Uh, they, you know, Portugal is sort of a third world country in the middle of Europe, and uh, so things are very inexpensive. A visit to Lisbon or down to the uh, Porto district in you know, Oporto, where port wine comes from, are really wonderful, and their wines great bargains because uh, the Portuguese economy isn't doing so well. And your dollar goes very, very far if you're visiting in Portugal. But uh, whether you're looking for something voluptuous or something with high acid or wonderful tannin, or you just want a wonderful wine to have uh, with burgers hot off the grill, why not give uh, Tempranillo a try? I think you'll be absolutely delighted with the results. And best of all, as I said, Tempranillo, you're very, very hard-pressed to pay a lot of money. Naturally, there's some Riojas that go for 30 and $40 a bottle, and they're worth cellaring and putting away, but that's the apex, or the Renemois of Tempranillo. Those Tempranillos from Val de Penis uh, that grow all over Spain uh, are just a, a wine drinker's joy, in my opinion. They're just waiting out there for you to discover them, so why not try a Tempranillo? I think you'll be absolutely delighted if you're having some kind of grilled uh, meat over this holiday weekend, why not stop in and pick up a bottle yes. of Tempranillo? Uh, like I said, there are just too many of them to mention them all, but they're really great, great values, and I don't think you'll be disappointed. And uh, Lest we forget, when you're cooking anything barbecue, if you're having barbecued ribs, Malbec uh, from Argentina is a made in heaven to oh. go with barbecue sauce because that uh, sort of a 
sweet, spicy yes. red barbecue sauce just seem Malbec's just seems to cut it perfectly. Did that just the other night, taking your tip. Well, Jack, I know uh, folks visiting Haskell's can find anything you've talked about and more. And more, and they love to talk about <coughs> wine. This is the last weekend of the summer wine sale at Haskell's, so it's a good time to stop in and stock up your cellars. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save big dollars on wine. Haskell's in Bloomington. Of course, there's Haskell's in Chanhassen. Right in downtown Excelsior at the Excelsior Dock, you'll find the Haskell's, as you will in Faribault, right off of 35. Our super cellar in Maple Grove is not to be missed. And downtown Minneapolis on 9th Street, there's free parking on Saturdays. Haskell's at Ridgedale, Plymouth, St. Paul's Highland Village, Haskell's in Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Haskell's in Woodbury, too. And if you can't come into Haskell's, go to Haskell's.com or go to WCCO.com slash wine. It'll take you right to the Haskell's website, and you can peruse the end of our summer sale catalog. It's online right now, and the folks at Haskell's don't forget Love to talk about wine, and we do deliver also. Excellent, Jack. Well, we'll be back downtown studios one week from today, and I hope to chat with you then. I'm going to look forward to it. Thank you, Jack. Jack Farrell from Haskell.